You're listening to Al Pastor, the show that helps you love God, love your neighbor, and eat more tacos. I'm your host, Pastor Brian. Welcome to the show. Well, hello. I want to welcome you to the podcast today. Uh, we're going to be covering Genesis chapter 40, verses 1 through 8. It's really a, a short reading, but I got to tell you, it is it is it is powerful. What we're going to see is that Joseph, although he is in prison, God's going to strengthen him. And one of the ways that God's going to strengthen Joseph is through his serving and through his observing others that are in need. And so he uses this entire prison experience to teach Joseph to care for other folks. And not only that, but he's awfully kind to them as well. So one of the first things that we need to ask is, is how long had Joseph been in prison? Now, we don't know the exact answer to this. All the Bible says in verse number one is that it came to pass after these things. Now, this would be a really good place to highlight that particular phrase. I personally like to use the, the green highlighter. And for me, that represents a period of time. And what that does for me is I can find things a whole lot quicker because my brain associates uh, colors. So if I'm like, okay, when did this happen? I can just scan through several pages at once and look for something that's green. So just a pro tip there, power user tip, right? So how long do you think that Joseph has been in prison? I'd be curious to know. Now, something we need to remember, Joseph had been uh, in prison, put into chains um, uh, in the previous chapter. Now, sometime after that, he was assigned some prison duties. And so through his hard work, through his administrative ability, because the Lord was with him, they were, they were noticed by the warden of the jail, so to speak. And eventually he put Joseph in charge of all the other prisoners. Now, this process didn't happen overnight. He obviously probably suffered for a while and perhaps even a long time. And this was a special kind of prison. This was, um, this was in the charge of, of Potiphar. And it was, if you remember, it was Potiphar's wife that Joseph supposedly attacked, right? Fake news. So it would have, it would have taken a, a, a little bit of time for the warden to notice the hard work of Joseph and the favor on his life before he was promoted, especially among all the other prisoners. And so most likely he had been incarcerated for many months, maybe even stretching into years. Now, I want you, the reason I'm saying this is I want you to think about Joseph. Put yourself in his shoes. He's experienced suffering, pain. Uh, maybe he still feels the chains around his feet and his neck. And, and, and maybe he was beaten. Maybe he was mistreated. I mean, this, this is, this isn't the, the, the Hilton, the Holiday Inn, right? This is an ancient Egyptian prison. And why was Joseph there? It wasn't because he did anything wrong, but it was because he had been falsely accused. Why would God allow such a thing? I think one of the reasons is because Joseph needed to learn how to care for other people, how to be kind to them. So I want you to take notice of a few things. 
First of all, in the first three verses, we see that Pharaoh imprisons his his, uh, butler and his baker. Now, these are two very, very important positions, and it would be very important, especially in Egypt. Um, this would be the the chief butler would be like the cupbearer to the king, the person who was in charge of his vineyards, his wines. He was his assistant, his personal attendant. It was his duty not only to oversee all of the the wine operation, but to personally serve the king. He would even taste the wine to make sure that it wasn't poisoned in case somebody wanted to take him out. And then you have the chief baker, and he was in charge of the food for the king. Now, it's important to note that both of these were the chief, the chief officials in their areas. That means that they were over multiple teams of folks, right? All the other cupbearers, all the other bakers within Pharaoh's palace. So the question we've got to ask is, why are they in prison? Now, the Bible doesn't say, not even a hint is given. All that's said is that Pharaoh was angry with them. Now, for those of you that have Morris, Henry Morris, the Genesis record, he has a suggestion. He writes a paragraph that I think seems very, very plausible. And this comes out of uh, page 569. I'm just going to read this small paragraph. Here's what Morris says about this. He says, the record doesn't say for what offense the butler and the baker had been in prison. What follows in the chapter would seem to indicate that they were both suspected of a possible capital offense, but it was unclear whether one or both of them were guilty. In view of the responsibilities for the king's food and drink, and since no others apparently had been put in prison for the same offense, the presumption would be that the crime had something to do with Pharaoh's table. Possibly a cache of poison had been discovered under such circumstances that it appeared destined to reach Pharaoh by way of either his food or drink. Interesting, isn't that? So what do you think? Um, I'm going to post a picture. Um, it is from the what, what I, what's called the ZIBBC, the Zondervan um, uh, Bible background, illustrated Bible background commentary. And there's a fascinating picture of the uh, butler's toiletry chest. And this would be kind of the thing that they would always have on them to attend to the Pharaoh's needs. And so be on the lookout for that. I think you'll find that fascinating. So very, very interesting. We see these two that are in prison. Here's the next thing I want you to notice. Joseph was placed in charge of the cupbearer and the baker. He was assigned the duty of serving and caring for their needs. In verse number four, let's read it. It says, And the captain of the guard charged Joseph with them, and notice what he does. He serves them. I would circle that. He serves them. So they were in custody for a while. Very, very interesting. Here's the next thing I want you to notice. One night, they both had a dream. Okay, that's what it says in verse number five. They both had a dream. Now, why did they both have a dream? Um, there's a lot of different things that we could get into. You can, you know, get into like the cycle analysts of, of dreams, and maybe they were dreaming of something of there, but there seems to be, and I think that there really is no doubt about this, 
um, that this is a dream that came directly from God, okay? God's going to use Joseph to be able to uh, minister to them. Now, it's not good for one of them. We know the story if you've read on a little bit. But I think the fact that both men had a dream on the same night, the dream uh, and the dream comes true. It points to God quickening um, dreams within their own minds. Now, here's just a word of caution because I know I, I said this on Sunday. Sometimes we get fascinated with dreams and we're like, ooh, I want to know, right? Um, this does not mean that every dream that we have is like some kind of uh, you know, prophecy of future events. Sometimes you just had a bad pizza, right? <laughs> it, it, it also doesn't mean that all your dreams are meaningful or useful in life. Uh, it doesn't mean that every dream is a direct reflection of some kind of subconscious desire of some good or bad experience. I'm, if, if some of you haven't picked up on this, I'm kind of, uh, roasting Freud a little bit, right? The pervert Freud. That's what I call him. I call Bill Nye the lion guy and pervert pervert Freud. <laughs> um, we also, this doesn't mean that, that, that God is always behind dreams. Now that doesn't mean that God can't speak to you through a dream, right? God has used dreams in the lives of people, but listen, he doesn't do this very often. Um, so for us as born again, believing Christians, we don't have to go to some dream interpreter. And I'll just come out and say, sometimes in the in Christians can be weird, right? They'll go to seminars and they'll go read books because they think that every dream that they have is from the Lord. And I'm not trying to persuade you one way or the other. I'm just saying, don't be one of those weird Christians, okay? Um, God has given us his word. He's given us the scripture. He's given us the Holy Spirit and he's the one that will lead us and guide us into all truth. So I would be very, very weary of dreams. And um, the Bible is our guide, right? Not dreams, not, not visions, not anything else. In fact, we, we don't need anything else besides God's Spirit and God's Word. This is, this is the, the New Testament, New Covenant, born-again experience. Now, Here's my disclaimer. Has God spoken to me through a dream? He probably has a couple of times. I can't give you something direct, but we just need to be cautious, okay? Cautious, and it needs to always line up with God's Word. All right, here's the next thing that I want to talk about. The dream happens the next morning. This is what we see in verse, verse number 6. Joseph comes into their cells and he looked at them. I would circle that. He looked at them and he could see it on their faces. He saw that they were sad. I think this is really, really important. Joseph is showing concern for some folks. How often do you see somebody that seems like they're sad? Somebody that seems like they're upset? You know, sometimes we might avoid folks like that because it's like, all right, I better walk the other way, right? Like, oh, I'm not going to talk to this person because they're going to, you know, unload or dump or whatever it is, right? But Joseph, he took the time and he asked them, right? He says, why do you look so sad? That's in verse number 
7. So Joseph is compelled. Something in him is compelled to care and show kindness to this cupbearer and to this baker. And he was learning, I believe, while he's in prison, what God wanted him to learn, to be kind and caring, even in bad circumstances, no matter how bad they can be. And I think that's a good lesson for us, right? Sometimes we go through some stuff. So no matter how bad the circumstances are, God wants us to always learn from them. He wants us to learn to care for other folks, to be kind to them, even when we're suffering and even when we're hurting. We're to be concerned for other folks. This is what it means to love people. We love God and we love we love our neighbor. And of course, we eat more tacos, right? But... <laughs> But we, we, we are to be concerned for other folks, even when we're suffering and when we're walking through the trials of life. Let me just read to you a few scriptures that I think go along with this. First is from Acts 20, verse uh, 35. Uh, it says, I have shown, shown you in every way by laboring like this that you must support the weak. And remember the words of the Lord Jesus that he said it is more blessed to give than to receive. Galatians 6.2 says to bear one another's burdens. And in doing so, we fulfill the law of Christ. That's Galatians 6.2. How about Romans 15.1? It says that when we are, uh, those of us that are strong, we should bear the infirmities of the weak and not please ourselves. Here's another one. Ephesians 4.32, be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God, for Christ's sake, has forgiven us. How about Hebrews 13.3, remember them that are in, in, in bonds, as bound with them, and them which suffer adversity, as being yourselves also in the body. Here's one more, James 1.27, and we can do a whole lot more, but we'll wrap it up with this. Pure religion and undefiled before God and the Father is this, to visit the fatherless and widows in their affliction and to keep themselves unspotted from the world. That's beautiful. This, this is on display through the story of Joseph and what we read today. There's a whole lot more, but I hope that you will meditate on these verses. I hope you'll key in on um, some of the key phrases are in that are in there. I'm looking forward to Bible study. Yeah, I know I say it every week, but um, I, I really am looking forward to Bible study. I hope I'll see you there. I hope you're doing good. If there's anything that I can do for you, let, let me know, and we'll see you on the next episode. Thank you for listening to Al Pastor with Brian Overturk. If you found value in this, please subscribe and get updates. Most places podcasts are available. We're right here on Anchor FM through Spotify. Also on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Amazon, and iHeartRadio. I hope you'll tune in for the next episode. Until then, we'll see you later.